tell you the truth, this guy's starting to get on my nerves. Worry not, your highness. I shall dispose of this feathered upstart. I challenge you to a duel. Welcome to another episode of Talking Giants, and OTAs are fully underway. We got a week done worth, three OTAs done. I'm your host, Bobby, at Bobby Skinner NFL, coming to you from Florida, here with Danny, at Danny King NFL, coming to you from New York. You can tell from his accent that he is from New York. Danny, we got that, we got that media privilege uh, on after Monday's OTAs. You know, we got to read all the beat reporters. Now we didn't really get much, but it's still exciting to get these see these guys on the field, see some clips of some throws. I mean, how are you feeling, my my man? I'm feeling really good. Just seeing them back out there was really fun to to get it to. Yes, the beat reporters haven't been as active as they have, but they're inside today. Still got some good photos. It's just so awesome to see everyone back out back out there and ready to play. And speaking of my accent, really quickly, apparently I live on Long Island. We have the Worst accent in the whole country, so I'm not sure where that came from. I think my accent's pretty good, but I'm just so happy to see the Giants finally back out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, before, because I want to talk about day three OTAs, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through each of like John Smoke's bullet points of day three OTAs because you know he works for Giants.com, so he puts, he's the only one who can put something out. Uh, but you know what's fun is overreacting to every single clip of a throw we get from Daniel Jones, like with. I think it was t- on Tuesday they put a clip of Daniel Jones going through progression. Uh, you can't see the whole field, so it's not like you could break the play down. So you just get to see him throw a nice throw, throws it to Russell Shepard for a really you know good gain. Um, you could tell by his eyes he went through progression. And I was like, oh, no one no one could be bothered by this. This is nice. you know. And I made a joke. I was like, I'm going to overanalyze this from every single angle. And then people are like, funny release. Took four seconds to throw the ball. I'm like, oh my gosh, we can't ha- we can't have anything nice. We just can't do it. We literally cannot have anything without critiquing every little thing. And I just I almost lost my mind on Tuesday night when people were like, like his release. Like, what are you talking about? You don't even. I I went out with somebody and and you know I respect other people's opinion, but I was like, well, I was like, okay, what about his release? They're like, just look at it. I was like, but what? I was like, I have looked at it. What about it? It's like, if you can't tell, you're an idiot. I'm like, well, if you can't tell me what it is, I don't know. Anyways, it's fun to do that. Um, yeah, but it has been slow. We, you know, we don't get much information. So what I figured we do is we'll take a, we're going to take a little deep dive into Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and what we expect out of them. But before that, John Smelk put out his, uh, his bullet point, his points, his notes from day three of OTAs. So Danny, why don't you go through each one of those snippets and we'll kind of hit it rapid fire. All right, so his first point was the energy level was sky high and everyone was very enthusiastic as the offense and defense were noticeably invested in executing against one another. It was great to see. That just makes me happy seeing that what, what we've gone for the past two years, these guys are still excited to go out there and get the work done and just ready to finally hit the field for 2019. Right, and we know that even if like the energy was horrible, John Smoke's not going to be like, these guys really don't care that much. Low right. energy unbelievable low energy jeb bush pretty much like they're not going to do that they're they're just not going to do that no, absolutely. Um, so yeah ne- next one 
Uh, the practice featured red zone and goal to go work in both in both team at seven on seven. That meant the quarterbacks, receivers, and the back half of the defense had to preci- had to be precise in everything they did. It was a good day for the wide receivers to work on their short area footwork, including getting two feet in on the end line and sideline. So just seems like they're running a nice drill there, and it seems like it was just helpful to get the wide receivers to get their foot in and learn and not just get back to having to get both those feet down in bounds. Really, yeah, I'm actually surprised they're working on that this early. Usually. You know, that's the kind of stuff you use, say, for training camp. But it is going to be huge for us because one thing, like, one, I think the biggest part, like, the biggest loss of Odell leaving isn't, like, the, the long catches. It's the red zone. It's, like, he was very efficient in the red zone. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have to, like, we'll talk about it with Shep and Ingram. But, yeah, red zone is going to be huge for us. Hot take, red zone's huge. It's huge for everybody. I don't I don't know, like, I'm acting like that's some, like, really good thought. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, another guy, Sam Beal has been coming up a lot before I say this first point, but he said cornerback Sam Beal made a couple of nice plays on the ball. No one seems to get very open on DeAndre Baker. The young outside cornerbacks are showing promise and ability, and their development will continue in training camp as they figure out how much contact they could get away with beyond five yards. All right, uh, let's, let's, let's save that one for uh, mailbag because I know someone asked. Pretty much the exact same question. All right, we'll save that our points for that. Ooh, whoopsie. All right, the next question, uh, next point is: It was a big day for tight ends, especially Evan Ingram. With quarterbacks finding him down the seam often, Golda Tate had a big day with several catches in traffic and a deep post that may have gone for a touchdown. Obviously, we'll be talking about Ingram in a little bit, but Golda Tate. Uh, I, 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 we need Golda Tate to produce because yes, we have. We don't have the best wide receiver core, but we have a decent enough group, but I feel like Golden Tate will be one of Eli's favorite targets this upcoming season, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And as far as the tight ends, like we'll talk about Ingram, what we expect out of him. But, man, that battle for those that second and third spot is going to be intense between Ellison, Simonson, and C.J. Conrad, the undrafted free agent out of Kentucky. I mean, that is going to be a tight battle. Um, Ellison has a pretty big contract, um, so he could be so – I keep like saying this, but I, I could really see him being a guy that's moved before the season because I do believe in Simonson. What I've seen from Conrad, I like. Uh, supposedly him and Jones have a little bit of a connection. So, yeah, uh, that'll be an interesting like battle. I, I really think that's like a low-key, like underrated battle going into camp will be those guys. And I think the passing game will be a big part of it because we all know that Simonson and Ellison are efficient blockers. Uh, I mean, I remember when Ingram was out, we ran some like two tight end sets to one side. And those are some of the best stretch plays we ran was with those guys. They could block Conrad. He blocked well in college. I think he needs to work on his strength a little bit. But I, I think these these guys receiving is going to be which is what sets them apart from each other. Yeah, hundred percent. The second tight end spot is going to be and second and third is going to be really interesting because like you said Ellison could he get cut due to his contract? I have the faith in Simonson, but I also really like Ellison. That will be one of the battles to watch in camp. The next point. Uh, the situation portion of practice was a tough challenge for the offense. They needed to score a touchdown with only 56 seconds on the clock. Starting on their own six-yard line with no timeouts, Eli Manning led his team down for a touchdown on a nice pass to wide receiver Benny Fowler. The defense won, and the second and third units were on the field. So this we know the Giants, they had some good situation times last year. One really bad one, is especially in the was it the Indianapolis game where Eli had the opportunity to drive the team down the field and they just completely fell flat on their face. He threw an interception. So that's something they need to work on because who knows how bad the defense will be this year or how they may be good, but the offense needs to really 
pick up where they left off last year because we're not sure how good this defense is going to be. But I like hearing that Eli is still making some good passes, even though it's only OTAs. Yeah, definitely. And OTAs, and it sucks because we don't get to see, but it's more of like watching like like certain things instead of like, oh, they got a touchdown because it is very controlled. Um, and seven on sevens, there's no pass for us. So you, you're extremely comfortable because you know you're not going to get hit and you have as much time as you want to make a throw. I mean, not as much time as you want. They do have limits on it. But, yeah, so it's, it's hard to read in too much into, like, results. But, yeah, definitely good to see them get a teeter on one of them. Yeah, and next point, Manny was sharp with a couple of terrific throws, including the aforementioned post to Tate that could have gone for a score. He also hit Evan Ingram on two downfield looks that would have been big plays. Ingram has looked very difficult to cover so far. As I said before, he has his OTAs, but hearing Eli Manning still making good throws, that makes me happy. And hearing that Evan Ingram has been tough to cover, that also makes me very happy. Yeah, the Giants put out a clip of that throw to Golden Tate. That was a, you know, it's hard to tell. I'm just guessing, but it kind of looked like cover two. Who, who's number 29? Is that Antonio? No, Antonio Hamilton's 30. Who's number 29? 29. Is Antoine Buffet? No, what's he? He's 31. I'm trying. Uh, hmm. I don't know who number 29 is. I'll do some research after. In a few well, minutes. anyways, Peppers was playing deep. Um, and then number 29, who it was? We should, I should have looked that up before. And it, like he split them, and it looked like he split cover two, which is really hard to do. So, yeah, uh, definitely like seeing that from Eli. Yes. Uh, next point, rookie Dexter Lawrence was a presence in the blitz period from his 3-4 end position, and linebacker Marcus Old- Golden was active in the backfield again. Yeah, so, on, this, on this, like, I could care less about results because there's no pads on. It's, it's like, really hard to do O-line, D-line stuff. But what was really interesting is that he's playing at the end in the 3-4 when we all kind of expect him to play nose. Um, now, it's, it's hard to say because OTA is, like – they try all kinds of different stuff, and there's there's no pads on, so it's hard to say anything. But that definitely caught my interest when I saw that. No, yeah. Uh, whoopsie. My ne- next point is, uh, by his count, Alder Grossas was six for eight on his field goal attempts with misses from thirty-seven to forty-seven yards. Uh, nothing really to I guess get there. Alder Grossas is still a good kicker. Yeah, he missed two kicks, but once again, I'm not freaking out about Alder Grossas missing two kicks at OTAs. Yeah, definitely. Pro Bowl kicker. Not worried about it. Uh, next question. Uh, next point is a guy we both are a fan of. I know you're really a fan of him. Is a undrafted free agent, Jake Carlock, out of LIU Post. He says an intriguing prospect. He is listed as a defensive back at six three and two hundred twenty five pounds, but he's working out with the edge rushers. I know you're a fan of Jake Carlock, and I know you must be really happy to see that. Yeah, definitely. And then I, because I noticed on the clip they posted earlier that he was working out with the linebackers. He was wearing number forty seven, the uh, the guy with the long, the white guy with the long hair. I'm like just to see that like he's sticking out I know it's OTAs and it's hard to see anything but that excites me because I now he played at LIU post so it's hard to say like how good he is but like I said before when we did our defensive undrafted free agents I'm like the guy's film like just it's exciting like I feel like it is the most exciting film out of all the undrafted free agents to watch besides maybe Eric Dungey and that's like kind of the quarterback bias so yeah and I've said that come preseason he'll be the undrafted free agent I have my eye on the most yeah, the next is uh, the Giants have a healthy rotation at inside linebacker, and there should be an open competition for who starts next to Alec Ogletree and who plays in nickel situations. We said that uh, the position next to Alec Ogletree could be one of the more intriguing positions to watch with Tay Davis, B.J. Goodson. So 
obviously I know you're a fan of T- T- Hey Davis. I'm a big fan of BJ Goodson. So that's why I'm really going to be looking at one. That's my, one of my positions to watch in training camp. Who gets the nod next to Alec Ogletree? Yeah, definitely. We spent 15 minutes on this last week on on who we think gets that other linebacker spot. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell um, anything, um, especially from that. He just said it was competitive. So yeah, it's 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 probably going to be the most wide open position battle going into camp as the number two linebacker. Yeah, and the final point is uh, the running back rotation is interesting. Saquon Barkley is taking reps with the first team while Rod Smith and Paul Perkins split second team reps. John Hillman, an undrafted rookie from Rutgers, is getting most of the third team reps. Uh, John Hillman, former guest of Talking Giants. Great interview. That was not boring at all. (laughs) Uh, I I say probably the biggest uh, point for me here. Is Wayne Gallman injured, or is he just not being, or did they not even bother mentioning him since he's probably going to be Saquon's backup? Because I mean, I, I'm just surprised he even mentioned Wayne Gallman. Yes, Rod Smith is in, and Paul Perkins. Who knows what Paul Perkins is doing nowadays? I just found it intriguing that there was no mention of Wayne Gallman. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that is weird. I, I we need to do some deep dive on because I feel like they said he was there um, when they were taking attendance on day one. So yeah, that's weird. All right, next point. That, that's all the points. Okay. All right, let's move on to Shep and Ingram. All right, let's start with Evan Ingram. I kind of did a deep dive on how these guys are going to be without Odell because, like, obviously their stats change. Um, so I want to see, like, how much were they were targeted more, uh, you know, all, all that good stuff. So I, I want to go through some stats that I looked up, and then we could kind of talk about it. Um, because everyone's been saying, like, Evan Ingram, like, he's going to be, like, he, I expect him to improve a lot this year. And I've been one of those people. But I was like, you know what? Let's see what if that gets backed up. And Sterling Shepard is another guy. It's like, he's going to have to step up. So I kind of want to, like, look into the numbers. And, and, you know, numbers aren't, like, the end all be all. But I went and so I'll just list them off. And if, if you want to, like, see these, like, in front of your face, because it's hard to, like, catch up with numbers during a podcast, it's all on my Twitter, at Bobby Skinner NFL and at Talking Giants. Um, they should all be out by now. I had like all these drafted. I was like, maybe I should just like, share these over the next two days. But I was like, I just can't freaking wait. Like, I'm always scared that somebody else is going to be doing the same thing. Uh-huh. And this year, <laughs> anyways, Evan Ingram with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, he had seven games last year. He averaged 3.28 catches per game with him there and 36.7 yards per game. That's not good at all. It's a little deflated because of the injury against Houston where he had one catch, but still not good at all. Um, and then with Odell out the last four games of the season, I mean, Evan Ingram shined, my friend. He had five and a half catches per game, 80 yards per game in those four games. And like every game was about this. It wasn't like he had one 160-yard game and it, like it changed the numbers. Like every game was like between 75 and 85 yards. Solid stuff. Um, you know, five and a half catches per per. I mean, really good stuff. And then target rate, uh, he was targeted. And so what I did for this, because I didn't be like, I didn't just like, all right, Evan Ingram wasn't on the play, uh, the field for this play. I just did Eli Manning attempts versus uh, Evan Ingram targets and then catches. Target rate, he was targeted 14% with Odell in for those seven games. Without Odell, 22%, which is like, that's a pretty uh, significant rate. And then his catch per target rate, went from 70% to 71%, which is really good uh, that he, like, with the increased targets, he, like, still caught the same amount. So, yeah, basically, I am so excited for Evan Ingram. I think he's going to have such a huge year without Odell. And that's not, like, saying we're going to be better without Odell. 
But like, it's going to be really big, like for this guy. Like, if he doesn't break out this year, then there is going to be no year he doesn't break out. Obviously, you know, not uh, like uh, including like injuries. That's always like you know a thought in the back of your head. But I I think the question, if he's healthy, is is he going to be a good tight end or is he going to be a Pro Bowl tight end? Because if he you know if he uh, if he can do what he did like in those games last year, he's going to be an 85 catch over a thousand yards tight end. And like, I'm, ex- I'm so, I'm way more excited about his, and we'll talk about Shepard in a minute, but I am so excited to see what e- Evan Ingram is going to bring to this team. Cause like, you know, he, we know he has all the talent in the world. Let's see him put it together. Let's say him make those tight catches like he did against Tampa Bay. Let's see him put it all together. And I'm, I'm excited for the kid. No, I also love Evan Ingram, and I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table this year. Was that was Odell? Odell's presence to this team cannot be denied. He was a major part of it. But with him leaving, I feel like it also just what's the word? Like it makes Eli have to be like before I said that he was like, all right, if Odell's not open, I'm not sure if I can trust anyone else. Now he really has to trust Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and so Evan Ingram when when he first came into the league in 2017. He didn't have Odell basically the whole year because Odell went down in uh, week five with that fractured ankle. So he really was thrown into the fire right there and really had to just contribute basically right away. And just looking at some of his tape, obviously he's fat, he's super fast, and he's hard for linebackers to cover. And uh, I felt like after what was it the Washington game, the Giants really weren't as keen on him, but because he had the case of the drops but then right after like after the San Francisco game he really became a major factor for this Giants team just some of the I'm not gonna lift off all of them but right here in the San Francisco game five targets for four catches for 46 yards in the Washington game five targets three catches for 77 yards in the Indianapolis game he had six targets he had six catches for 87 yards and in the season finale against Dallas, eight targets, five catches for 81 yards and one touchdown. So Evan Ingram, he he needs to take the biggest jump for this Giants team. He just got to prove to them that you drafted me in the first round for a reason, and I'm going to show you and to the rest of the league that I can dominate this league. Yeah, definitely. And the hands, like, they are an issue. They did get a lot better as the season went along yeah. because the hands in the beginning were a problem. I mean, you know, I'm not like a GM should listen to the fans kind of guy or listen to us. But, like, the call for, like, trading, like, Evan Ingram was there. Like, a lot of people are like, uh, it's too many. The drops are too bad. Ellison and Simonson do a, a pretty decent job when they're in. And people almost said, like, hey, this team is better without Evan Ingram. But he really proved himself in those last four games. Um, supposedly, he's – I hate to, you know, buy into everything a player says, but he's, like, taking better care of his body, being healthier, you know, not partying as much. Um, and then, like, the blocking – listen – I'm never going to harp on a guy who wasn't drafted to be a really good blocker for not being a good blocker. Like we know that that's not what he, he drafted to stretch the field and make big plays. So yeah. Do I want him to be a better blocker? Yes. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get all pissed off at, at Evan Ingram for not making a good block because at the end of the day, that's, we knew that coming into this. No, yeah. hundred percent. Evan Ingram, if you're a Giants fan, you don't know, and you believe Evan Ingram's a good run blocker, then you just don't watch the games because he, he's not. It's not his specialty. But that's why I feel like they brought in Red Ellison, who is a decent run blocker, and they hope that his run blocker technique can rub off onto Evan Ingram. And they're really probably hoping that they can cut Red Ellison this year due to that contract, and that Evan Ingram can just be a great catch and tight end and a good uh, run block and tight end. So, Evan yeah, Ingram, all we need for him blocking wise is just to be. Okay, like yeah. we're not looking for just be okay, 
learn know how to seal a guy off um like work on angles because that's like he's not going to go bully some defensive end just work on ang- like work on really work on angles and i hope i hope that's something that they have been working on with him no yeah we, we don't need him to be a top five run block tight end. We just need him to do enough to allow the likes of Saquon Barkley, Wayne Gallman, Rod Smith, Paul Perkins, whoever, to break a big run. And that will be successful right there of Evan Ingram. And as I said, he is a nightmare for linebackers to cover. Like he, he like the George Kittle type guy. He's not as oh, who I'm not sure who's better, George Kittle or Evan Ingram. You can make an argument that George Kittle's better. But we saw what George Kittle did to the likes of Landon Collins. Evan Ingram could probably do the same thing to Landon Collins this year. If the Redskins use him the same way as we used him, Evan Ingram's going to expose Landon Collins. I'm 100% confident in that. He is a dynamic tight end. He goes up the seam. Linebackers can't cover him. Uh, I feel like if he's re- – I hope that Daniel Jones and him could possibly get a good connection as well because in uh, Duke, Daniel Jones really loves his tight end. So if Evan Ingram – if Daniel Jones starts next year, I should say, and Evan Ingram's still on this team, I hope they have a good connection because that could be a deadly connection, almost like a Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz type deal. Yeah, definitely. And tight ends can have big jumps, like the receiving ones. I mean, look at Eric Ebron, who went from the Lions to the Colts. He Eric Ebron went from like essentially a bust, a, you know, a first round pick, picked around the same. Actually, he was picked. Actually, he was picked pretty early. I think he was picked like tenth or something like that. He was picked before Odell was. Um, and he just never panned out for the Lions. And he goes to the Colts, and he had like six, like 15, 16 touchdowns. So a tight end can't have a breakout year. And you mentioned Landon Collins. Boy, I cannot wait for that game. I hope Evan Ingram has his best game of his career in that game. Landon Collins. He, like, I get when he's doing like the softball game and he's doing the media, like you have to answer questions. But then like, now it's just like he's he looking for any reason to, <laughs> to talk about the Giants. Yeah, obviously, Landon Collins and the Redskins have been going on a little uh, rant about us, but they love us secretly. That's why they signed Adam Biznawati today. A little fun news right there. But Evan Ingram, I expect so much from him this year. I feel like maybe I'm overhyping myself for him, but I feel like Evan Ingram has the potential to be a Pro Bowl-type tight end and just one of the better tight ends in this league. So that's why I'm hoping for a big jump, and that's why also the team is looking for a big jump from Evan Ingram. Yeah, definitely. And George Kittle, really good tight end. I yeah. want to say Ingram's better than him. No, but Shep, no. let's let's move to Shepard, Sterling, Sterling, Marlin, Shepard. Right, I'll do. Let me run through those same stats I did with Ingram. With Odell on the field, there was twelve games where he played. Um, Four point three three catches per game, fifty four and a half yards per game. Without Odell, four games, three and a half catches per game. So that goes down at at point eight. Uh, 58 and a half yards per game only uh, adds four yards per net. Now that like that doesn't really bother me a whole lot, um, because like it's a very small sampling size. That Washington game, we stopped throwing the ball in like the second quarter. I mean, Eli only threw the ball like 20 times. Um, so I like I don't like he only had two catches and like 18 yards in that. So like I don't look at that and bother me. Um, his target rate. Um, with Odell, seventeen percent. Within those four games without him, twenty-three. Now, here's what really bothers me: is his catches per target rate with Odell, sixty-nine percent, which is pretty good. Without him, and I know, and it was only four games, forty-four percent. And I just, like, I, I think that's just not very good. And like, that's 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 worrisome. Like, when the pressure's on him, like when he's the focus, like that, it goes down twenty-five percent. Now. 
let me read the set the 2017 stats without Odell uh, because that is a bigger sampling size, seven games. Uh, and he was banged up that year too. 6.3 catches per game, which was more, which was two more than he and he was with Odell. Um, 73 yards per game, which is very solid. Um, and then his target rate was 21.5%, so essentially the same as it was in those four games and uh, last year. And then his catch per target rate was 70%, which is better than both. So the 17 numbers are definitely a lot more promising, um, and it is a bigger sampling size. Uh, and it was it was a different offense. Uh, so maybe, the, you know, year two in this offense so will be better. So, yeah, that catch per target rate without Odell – does bother me, but I'm also not going to overreact to it because it, it is a pretty small sample size. No, yeah, 100%. But before I say my Shannon Shepard thing, I just want to say I'm not saying Evan Ingram is better than George Kittle, everybody. Uh, I'm a Giants fan, but I'm not a crazy Giants fan. I know George Kittle is a very good tight end. But on to Shepard. Maybe, maybe by the end of the year. Hopefully by the end of the year I could be saying differently. But, yeah, Sterling Shepard, uh, obviously everyone on this team benefited from Odell. It's not a not – a fa- sorry, right, sorry. Forgot my words there for a second. It's a straight fact right there that Odell benefited everyone on this team. And, yeah, and when Odell was gone for those four games, that Evan uh, Sterling Shepard struggled a little bit. Yes, that's concerning. But you just got to go back a year in 2017. He proved that he can play without Odell, even in 2017 when, like, basically the whole team was injured. So, really, in 2017, yeah, I forgot. He had those migraine issues that kept him out for who knows how long. I forgot how many games off the top of my head. He said that's an issue he's had since he was young, so that's one thing you got to take. If he gets a migraine, then just know Sterling Shepard won't be around for some time. But I love Sterling Shepard both as a player and off-the-field type person. I believe in him so so much. I have so much faith in him. I was a fan of him when we drafted him. I felt like that was one of the steals of the draft, him falling. When, do you remember when we drafted Sterling Shepard? What round? Or It was second, early second round. Early second round. So maybe I'm over-exaggerating the steal part of it, but still. Besides the point, Sterling Shepard, he has a lot to prove now this year as well. The Giants extended him. Uh, they gave him a good chunk of change, might I add. And now he is the sole, one of the better wide receivers on this team uh, without Odell. Yes, goal it takes here, but I feel like Sterling Shepard is going to be one of the primary guys. So he's going to have to adapt to being without Odell, one of his best friends. But I believe he could do it, and he should set himself up for a big year. Yeah, definitely. I, I... And I think it's kind of just like expectations with him because I think that contract was worth it. And obviously with Odell gone, people are going to be a little more critical. And I get that. But at the same time, like nobody, I don't think anyone expects him to just replace Odell. I don't, I don't like, that's just not who he is. He's never, he's never going to be a Julio Jones. Like he's never going to be a top 10 receiver in the league. Um, But he can be the number one guy on a Super Bowl team. Like, there's no doubt in my mind of that. Um, he's like he's he's definitely a, like he's above average. Like he would have he would have garnered good money in free agency next year, because um, one you know wide receivers don't hit the hit the market usually like that on their rookie after their rookie deal. Um, so yeah, like is he you know an Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, AJ Green, uh, Odell Beckham kind of guy? No, but I don't think we're we're asking him to be that. And I think that's what this wide receiver core is about is having. Good, solid guys across the board with Ingram, Golden Tate, and then that third wide receiver, which is, you know, wide open. No, yeah, 100%. That third wide receiver spot could be another battle to watch at Cam. you got a Cody Latimer, uh, Corey Coleman-type people to watch there. But, yeah, uh, this wide receiver core isn't going to blow you away. 
Yes, losing Odell hurts his team. That cannot be denied. But the Giants have quality guys to replace Odell. As, like you guys said, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, uh, Corey Coleman. They have depth behind those guys. And they have two quality starting wide receivers right there. As you said, we don't know who's getting the third spot. But Sterling Shepard, he's going to face a lot more difficult coverages now because the Giants, other teams may view him as the number one guy. I'm not sure who they view as the number one guy. Maybe they view Golden Tate as that guy. But still, Sterling Shepard's going to have so much to gain this year without being with Odell because, as you said, he would have gained so much money on the free agent market. Teams would have paid him like a first number one wide receiver. So Sterling Shepard has to prove the Giants right. I think he can prove the Giants right, and I believe he can make the Pro Bowl this year by having a dominant year, and I believe he could do that. Yeah, I mean, if you – I mean, you look at his number – like the 2017 numbers without Odell are definitely a lot more promising – in 2018 and like i said it's a small sample size um so do you have anything else on these guys before we uh hit the mailbag uh no i think we covered it all we just just to sum it all up we just got high expectations for these guys coming into another year of giants football in 2019 they got to step it up and we believe they can who who do you think there's more pressure on to have a really good year shepherd or ingram uh i say evan ingram because he has shown the potential but he hasn't blown anyone away, and he's entering year three right now. So he's getting close to a contract year, and maybe the Giants could view, maybe want to extend him maybe after this year or something along those lines. I feel like he has the most pressure on him. You can argue Sean Shepard has the most pressure because he just got the contract, but I think Evan Ingram has to prove that he can be a quality tight end with this league, even with some of the injuries he had, and as I said, the case of the dropsies. So Evan Ingram, I believe, has the most pressure. I agree 100%. One that drops. Like, there's more things to hate about Evan Ingram. They're like people, like, for for fans to get on him for. Um, one, the drops. And then two, like, the blocking. Like, any, like, if you just feel like bashing Evan Ingram, just like point out his blocking. It's very easy. Um, and like you said, Shep has already got that contract. So, yeah, I definitely think there's more pressure on Evan Ingram. And if you want to see those stats that I spit it out, um, check them out. They're on my Twitter um, at Bobby Skin NFL because I know. That if I hear stats in a podcast, I am not going to remember them. I got to see them right in front of my face. All right, let's uh, do a quick ad, and then we'll move on to the mailbag. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Danny, let's open the mail. Oh, by the way, I want to remake. Uh, that Steve from Blue's Clues video that I always put out with my oh, dog, no. Lucy. That, I mean, that we already did the singing part, so I got, I'm comfortable with that. All right, let's hit the mailbag. That will be a great video to watch. But the first question comes from Coach T... T well, not, sorry, 
sorry, I messed up your name. Coach T-O-B-C-N-Y-C, he has two questions. His first question was, do you honestly think Eli can do enough to hold Daniel Jones at some point this season starting and not just playing garbage time? Well, I'll answer this. We'll do a second question after this. But do you think Eli Manning can hold off Daniel Jones for the whole year? That's so tough. I don't know if I've actually even said this on the podcast. Now, I was critical of Eli last year. Yes, the O-line is a big issue, but it looked like he just made a business decision that he wasn't going to get lit up. Um, and I, you know, I really don't blame him, man, that he wasn't going to like take a bunch of risks. But his arm talent was still there. And from you know what it looks like in camp and stuff like that, it's not like his brother Peyton where it's just like, man, his arm is just completely gone. Um, in the last couple of years, like going into each season, I'm like, man, is the arm like the arm talent there? So the arm talent is there. The talent, or the offensive line, while it's not, you know, no one's saying this offensive line is great. It's as good as it's been in over five years. And with all these weapons we have around him, I really think there's a good chance Eli starts all 16 games um, this year. And I think the Giants will be a little stubborn with it too. So um, I'm not betting on that, but yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a good chance Eli starts all the games and say we're out of playoff contention, you know, week 13, and then they throw Daniel in. But I, I, I just don't see Daniel Jones blowing them away in camp or in like the first few weeks of practice. And then, and then like, you know what, we're just going to go with the kid. No, yeah, 100%. I, I think Eli will most likely start all 16 games this year, barring we go down south really bad again. This is not a Kurt Warner type situation. They had no affection for Kurt Warner. This team loves Eli for everything they've done. And you can't deny he's done He's done so much for this team, so it's going to be hard for the Giants just to yank him again, especially with all the fan backlash they got last time. Granted, that's two different situations. They benched D-line in 2017 for Geno Smith, a guy everyone knew was not going to be the future of this team. If you put in Daniel Jones, the reaction may be a little different just because he could be the future of the team, but it's Daniel Jones, so everyone's going to hate on the decision. Anyway, if we had a podcast, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if we had a podcast when Eli got benched, I don't care how much we've grown. That would probably be the most downloaded day. I mean, I consumed Eli content all day after that. I actually, that was the only, that I, I like literally boycotted the, like the Giants. Like, that was the most emotional as a fan I've ever been. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm not going to lie. At, when Eli did his press conference in front of his locker, he was crying. I, I shed a tear. I, I, was, I was like, wow, I'm crying with Eli, man. What am I doing with my life? I, should, I have a video saved from my Snapchat when, I'll, I'll share it later. How about that? I'm waiting to see that. So his second question, I'm going to say his name again because I messed it up the first time, is Coach T-O-B-C-N-Y-C. His second question was, can Sam Beal be the starter opposite Jack Rabbit instead of what we've seen from DeAndre Baker so far? I think most people, from what we can tell right now, Sam Beal is going to start next to Jack Rabbit because he had a whole offseason and a whole basically season to learn this defense. Yes, he was injured, but still he was able to see the playbook, see how it worked. So he already has a leg up on DeAndre Baker. And yes, did they invest a high pick in DeAndre Baker? Oh, very much so. But I believe they want him to slowly get into it, learn from Janoris Jenkins. Because I believe Janoris Jenkins is gone last year. I think you believe that as well. Most people believe that. And most people want that to happen. And so next year, I can see it be at Sam Beal, DeAndre Baker, and um, whoever the third corner is going to be. So I see Sam Beal being the starter opposite uh, Jack Rabbit, but they can even put DeAndre Baker into the slot. But I, for some reason, I don't see DeAndre Baker starting in the slot. I think they want to use him outside. So that's why I believe they may just hold off on the DeAndre Baker experiment right now. 
but I could easily see them taking out Jackrabbit and put it in DeAndre Baker. Yeah, man, this DB group is going to be such like a storyline um, going into this season because we we all love Sam Beal, and he's had, you know, from what we've heard, a really good day, uh, three days of OTAs. And I'm trying not to overreact to OTAs, but it's hard not to when this is the only thing we've got. And DeAndre Baker, like, I think we're all in love with him after, like, like deep deep diving into who he is. Um, and, like, the rumors are, like, teams, they, like, the quarterbacks really didn't throw at him. But Janoris Jenkins, man, like, and I love the Jackrabbit. I really do like Janoris Jenkins. But, like, the potential, and I need to be a little more patient, but, like, the potential of these DBs, Julian Love is another guy I like a lot. It makes me want to trade Janoris Jenkins. And that's not even, like, like I'm done with Janoris Jenkins. It's just, like, I want to see these young guys. But at the same time, I don't, you know, we should probably shouldn't want three rookies starting, um, you know, week one. So, yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting because both those guys are good. But as much as I like Sam Beal, DeAndre Baker was a first-round pick. So, like, I, I understand he has seniority in these OTAs, but I, I think Baker, by time week one, will be will be starting. Um, maybe you put Beal in the – I don't know. It's going to be extremely interesting. I, th- I think a lot is going to be, like, told once we actually get in pads. Um, yeah, th- it's going to be a really interesting to see what happens with these guys. But, yeah, uh, maybe they put Jenkins in the nickel. You see that happen with guys who play outside their whole life in the in the later parts of their career. I mean, there's there's just so many options. No, yeah, there's so many options to use this cornerback group. They invested in the cornerback group this draft because they viewed that as a position of need. And Sam Beal said he, he believes that the group they got now could be the next NYPD. We covered that last week, but still, I agree with him. I'm in love with the corners, and they're going to be one of the groups to watch. The next question comes from Leo P. Duggan. One, he said, "How many how many receivers stay and who tight end?" We covered this basically. I forgot was it last episode, or maybe a few episodes ago, but we covered it. But well, we'll cover it again. I say the receivers that stay, obviously the two Golden State: Jones Shepard. Obviously, I'm gonna say Corey Coleman, uh, Russell Shepard, and I'm gonna say Cody Latimer just for the sake of it because he's probably gonna be used in the return game. So that's who I say stays. Yeah, I think we're going to carry six. Uh, so I think it'll be between Russell Shepard and Benny Fowler for that last spot. Um, in fact, I like, really didn't play, like, listen to Benny Fowler. Um, but Justin Penick, he, like, put in my ear Benny Fowler. And now I'm like, man, I got to go look at Benny Fowler. And I looked at it. Like, he was actually better in Denver than Cody Latimer was. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Tight ends, I, I see us carrying three. Uh, it's going to be – it's going to – I think – I think they like Conrad, but I think they know they can keep him on the practice squad. But, yeah, I see them keeping three tight ends. But, that's gonna, like I said before, that's going to be a, a good battle in camp. No, yeah, I believe they're going to carry free, the free tight ends, uh, Ingram, uh, Ellison, and Scott Simonson. And the next question comes from Zoo Zoint. Uh, his first question is, what are the worst and best free agents Gellerman has has signed as a GM. Uh, I'm going to go based off Giants. Uh, I'm going to say Patrick Omahe. Uh, what, what a joke of a sign-in he was. Uh, he was a t- terrible next to Eric Flowers. They did not have the chemistry. He is not a starting right guard. You saw after they cut him, he went back to Jacksonville. He didn't even contribute there. Him and Eric Flowers again didn't contribute. And Patrick Omahe, he's not even signed by a team right now. So that was a terrible decision by Dave Gellman. But I respect him for moving on from his mistakes and not trying to stick it out with Patrick. So that's a move I respect from him by cutting him. Yeah, worst one. I, I have to agree. I was going to say Jonathan. Actually, I'll, I'll be different. I'll say Jonathan Stewart 
But at the same time, Patrick O'Mahon, like it was like a three-year deal. We expected a lot out of him. Like we expected him to be like the starting guard and be a really good one. Um, and like like you said, we cut him like halfway through the season. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, while it was annoying to have him on the team, um, he really didn't cost a whole lot um, in the long run. And like we had the other running backs, so yeah, um, I yeah, both both those guys definitely bad. And then for the good one. I'd have to say Nate Solder. Now, I do think we overpaid for Nate Solder, but I said this at the time, and I'll say this now. When our offensive line was as bad as it was, you overpay for a left tackle. So, yeah, Nate Solder wasn't great in the beginning. He really adjusted as the season went along, you know, got used to, you know, five-step drops instead of those Tom Brady, like, one, two, three, throw kind of stuff. So, you could tell he adjusted a lot. That's why he improved. And, you know, I played tackle, so, like, that is, like, a big difference. I remember, like, going and doing, like, um, college camps like before my senior season and like one one camp like the passengers they had the quarterback 10 yards back and it was like well i've like never like it was like unbelievable it's like what, what am i supposed to do the guy could literally just run straight at him uh so yeah nate solder probably be my best one uh for your worst sign i mean yes was jonathan stewart the best sign i know but i feel like they brought him in more to like keep saquon barkley in check just be like hey you're gonna be good but Let's keep you down, and I feel like he was just a good veteran presence for Sterling, uh, not, uh, Saquon Barkley to learn of, ask questions of. So that that's just my fault of the Jonathan Stewart signing. Now I'm not saying he was the best signing, but I believe that's the reason why they got him. And for the best, I 100% agree. Nate Solder was yes, we overpaid him, but you got to pay to overpay sometimes to get a good left tackle. And once he settled down from his neck injury, he was a very good left tackle, and I expect big things for him this year. Him and Will Hernandez, that's a good two-group right there that I like. The next question comes from Poppy 20 Sorry, Brugal underscore Poppy 20 He has, of the later round DBs we picked this year, who do you guys think, see most likely making the switch to free safety from corner? I've said this before. I think it's going to be Corey Ballantyne out of Washburn once he comes back or once he's healthy enough to play football. Uh, he has the free safety experience. Uh, yes, the last time we tried to convert a corner to free safety, his name's Curtis Riley. It did not end well, but I don't view any of these corners as a Curtis Riley type person. So I believe Corey Ballantyne will be the one to they try to transition into a free safety. Yeah, I agree 100%. Everyone's been saying Julian Love, and in fact, they did work him a little bit at safety in the rookie camp. But yeah, for me, it's Corey Ballantyne because one, I just don't see there being room for him if he doesn't move to safety because the corner is like, you know, we have Jenkins, Baker, Beal. Um, Haley and Julian Love, so that's five right there. So I, yeah, I see Ballantyne moving to safety just out of like we like this guy and we want to see him on the team, and so like I, I see him being it because I I just I know maybe Love can be a very good safety like we talked about before before episodes. Maybe he could be like the guy who switches and like a Malcolm Jenkins type, but I just think he's a really good corner. Uh, but yeah, Ballantyne would probably be the most likely to. Love would probably be the most likely to be successful doing it, though. Yeah, uh, Love will most likely, as you said, could be the most successful, but I believe they want Corey Ballantyne to be that guy because I I view Julian Love as a corner, and I believe they do, too. The final question, it's a a fun question from JayPenix74, another Giants podcast man. He asks, if you put Giants beat reporters in a room and tell them to fight, who wins and why, who fights dirty, who fights clean? Uh, right, I... let's, well, let's go through the list. We got Arch Stapleton, who I think is both of our favorites. Jordan Rainin, who I'm kind of indifferent on. Patricia Trainer, who I like. 
Matt Lombardo, who I can't stand. Dan Duggan, who I like, who's, you know, he's been on this show in Civil Man a few times. And then John Fennelly, um, who does the, the – we're, like, just plugging all these guys' work. Like, thanks a lot, Justin Panic. You're just making us plug everyone else. <laughs> uh, anyways, man, let's just kind of go through the list. John Fennelly. Oh, wait, wait, before uh, – we forgot Pat Leonard, the, one of the worst giant beat reporters out there. Ooh, just... I can't believe I forgot Pat Leonard. People have been roasting him lately. And I, like, I don't like – I don't like – I. I'm indifferent on him. Like, I've just really never like, read this stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. So, we got so we got seven. I'm sure. I know we missed people. Yeah. Now, Art Stapleton, I think in his heyday, probably could. But he's a little older now. Um, he'd probably be, like, making sure people credited the winner. That's just a joke. I love you, Art. That was just a joke. I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry, Art. <laughs> uh Patricia Trainer, now listen to 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 get ahead in this business, you gotta have claws. So yeah, Patricia Trainer maybe. Matt Lombardo definitely not. Uh, I, I just want to punch him in the face sometimes. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say this stuff. I really shouldn't. I, I like I'm like alienating myself. Anyways, I don't like Lombardo. Duggan, Dan Duggan. Now he, I know for a fact he goes to the gym and plays basketball because he posted a picture last year a huge gash under his eye playing basketball. Um, and then I, I like, used that on an episode image for some man radio, and he got mad at me. He's like, hey, maybe next time don't use a picture with my eye gashed. I'm like, I don't know, Dan. I kind of thought it was cool. Um, but anyways, he can take a hit. Pat Leonard, uh, I don't know. He seems kind of scrawny. <laughs> and then John Fenley. Like, I actually haven't seen a picture of John Fenley. I've only listened to him. And then Jordan Rainin, I think he could scrap a little bit. I, who, who do you got? Uh, so, uh, I think Jordan, uh, well, first, um, who fights dirty? I know Art Stapleton, he's a little bit of a wrestling fan, so I can see him using a steel chair on some of his opponents, so it would have shocked me if Art Stapleton the one that gets a little dirty in there. Uh, who fights clean? Uh, probably Patricia, she seems like an honest person, and she's gonna want to fight very clean, but I, I gotta go with Jordan, uh, Raynan of ESPN to get the win, mainly because he has some experience, you can't forget back in 2016 when he got shoved into a locker, by Eric Flowers. I believe he was training from that day on to dethrone Eric Flowers. So if we had to put all of them into a room, I say Jordan Rainin gets the win. Okay, I'm going to go with Dan because he can take a hit, and I think he's a smart guy. I think he's going to play it smart. He's going to let people beat up each other a little bit. Um, and like I said, he could take a hit. Jordan Rainin seems like he'd be a little more aggressive, which I'm not knocking because I am I think I'd pro- you know, I'm the guy who comes out swinging first too. But Jordan Rainin will be a little tired out. Uh, Dan will let everyone else beat them up. And then I see Dan just being able to come in with a few hooks, maybe a little uppercut if Jordan Rain is leaning a little bit. I mean, I'm going to have to go with Dan Duggan. And that was us alienating ourselves from the Giants world. <laughs> that That's how you do it. But, yeah, once again, I, I dig Dan Duggan. He's got the athleticism. He's a basketball player. But I feel like he may flop a little bit because that's how basketball players are nowadays. That's true. That's true. So but, <laughs> tell us who you think would win. This actually, this is gonna get so bad. Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't care. Do it. Just don't tag them because I really don't feel like being in any more beefs. Um, so was that it? Uh, yes, that was all the questions. All right, thanks for li- man for a show where there was nothing going on this week. We got some good stuff out of it. I'll say. Oh, did you see we got our first four star review? Oh, we did. Well, actually, it was a four star rating. They didn't even lead a review. What kind of psycho? Leaves a four-star rating and doesn't leave a review. Like, if you're going to do four-star, 
at least write a review so we can know why. Now I'm like all self conscious and like, what, what, like, what's the deal? Like, do you not like me? Um, do you, like, <laughs> I don't know. Four star is just kind of weird. Like, if there was a one star in there, I could be like, okay, like, I piss people off. Like, I get that. But four star, like, that's, I don't know. That kind of weirds me out. Like, if you want to leave a four star, leave a, a review. Actually, don't leave a four star, leave five stars. Anyways, I'll, now we, now our, we don't have that perfect five score anymore. Oh, man, if only people <laughs> would go and review it. When I see the numbers, I was like, how do we not have more reviews? And I remember, like, over half don't have uh, Apple. So this is pretty much just for Apple iTunes people. And I had, like, a few people message, like, how do you review on Spotify? I'm like, Couldn't tell you, my friend. Anyways, that's a show. I got to go. Make sure to do all that cool stuff and have a good weekend. And we'll be back after Memorial Day. And we'll see. I'm sure there'll be some kind of giant need to talk about. All right, until then. Let's go Big Blue. I feel like we need to get a more unique sign out. Anyways, let's go Big Blue.